The world, my friends, is a wicked place. You, dear Christian, are a sinner, and Satan is a fierce foe. Our only defense is Christ on the cross, Jesus crucified and resurrected for the forgiveness of your sins, the conqueror of death, the savior of the world. You're listening to Cross Defense. I'm your host, the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, and it's my pleasure to join you for the next hour as we strive to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word. As we get into today's show, if you're uh, struck with the desire to reach out to me, you can find me at TyrellBramwell.com. That's my website where you can find out all about me. Well, not all about me, but you can get a little summary of who I am. And the different things that I'm up to, things like this show here on KFUO Radio. You can even find a little clip. I post at least one segment on a YouTube video version, and I post it right next to the podcast feed right there on the landing page so you can find it. But I also have things on my website about my travels to see the Synod, images I've created and posted over on Instagram, and even you can take a peek at the books I've written. I got five or so, six maybe now, that are out there for your, your reading edification. If email is not your thing, you can DM me over on Instagram if that's where you're finding my stuff. Just if you're on Instagram, go ahead and direct message me. Or if you're a Facebook user, you can uh, message me over there too. My handle on both of those platforms is at Tyrell Bramwell. Just my name, at Tyrell Bramwell. That's where you can find me. All right. So as we get into today's show, I have a question for you. This is, this is the whole show right here, this question. I want you to think about this. I want you to, to kind of contemplate this. Think about your own life, your own actions, what you've done in the past. And if you find out that you've been the thing you're not wanting to be, well, do as the good book says and repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn toward the Lord. Repent and believe in Jesus. He will give you the strength. He is with you. His spirit dwells within you. You are a baptized believer of Christ so let me ask you the question. Are you, are you an accommodating accomplice in this world, to this world, an accommodating accomplice, or a Christian challenge, a Christian challenger to the ways of the world, to sin, to your old evil foe? Are you accommodating your foe? Makes no sense. Or are you challenging your enemy? It's a simple question for today. And so let me repeat it in its most simple form. Are you an accommodating accomplice or a Christian challenger in this world? Francis Schaeffer, writing in The God Who Is There in 1968, that's important to note because we're getting pretty far removed from 1968, it's 2021. Writing of his generation, he said this, the Christian is to resist the spirit of the world. But when we say this, we must understand that the world spirit does not always take the same form. So the Christian must resist the spirit of the world in the form it takes in his own generation. In the form it takes in his own generation. If he does not do this, he is not resisting the spirit of the world at all. 
This is especially so for our generation, Schaefer writes. As the forces at work against us are of such a total nature, a complete total nature. And if he's writing that in 1968, I would say it is even more so for the generation fighting the good fight today. It is our generation, he writes, of Christians, more than any other who need to heed these words attributed to Martin Luther. And let me just pause for a second, because if after hearing this, you know where these words of Martin Luther are, please, please email me, DM me, message me on Facebook, whatever. Let me know where I can find these words. I've been looking for them ever since I read this. I've asked professors if they know where these words are. No one can tell me. So I'm pretty sure that's why Schaefer says attributed to, because he himself knows that uh, it, you know, can't find them. So these are the words, though. And if Martin Luther did say them, awesome. If he didn't, but whoever did, still spot on. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ. However, boldly, I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefields besides that one is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. Let me read that again and pay attention. Focus on this language of confession versus profession. You can profess Christ without confessing Christ. And Scripture calls us to confess Christ. The words attributed to Luther read, If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefields besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. If the soldier is strong in every other area, but right where the attack is, he's weak, it doesn't matter. If he's prepared to fight the, the enemy on all other fronts, but the, but the enemy is coming this way, it's still a shame to that, that soldier. He's still disgraced that someone got the best of him because he was looking left and right when he should have been looking forward. And, and focus on this language. What does he say? I am not confessing Christ. However boldly, I may be professing Christ. You can say you're a Christian all day long. Say it. But if you're not confessing Christ against the spirit of the world in the form it's taking at the moment that you're alive, where the battlefield is that you've been placed on, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I can, I can tell you that I'm a, a unicorn all I want. I can profess to be a unicorn. I can profess to be a girl. I can profess to be some sort of fuzzy. Whatever this weirdness is that we live in, this world is crazy. I can profess that all day long. It doesn't make it true. I can profess to be a Christian. It doesn't make it true. But now, if I confess to be a Christian, that's a different thing. That's a confession of faith. I am confessing what's going on in my heart. 
I am making a confession. Not profession, just difference. Let me read the words again. If I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ. However boldly, I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefields besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. And Schaefer continues, when the apostle warned us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, that's James 1.27, he was not talking of some abstraction. If the Christian is to apply this injunction to himself, he must understand what confronts him antagonistically in his own moment of history. Where's the battle? Otherwise, he simply becomes a useless museum piece and not a living warrior for Christ. Mm. Schaefer's on to something. If Luther said that, quote, he was on to something. Whoever said it was. Okay, part of equipping our mind is understanding where the threats are to the faith. What's attacking us? Who's attacking us? And in what way? What's the form of the spirit of the world that we're dealing with in 2021? Part of equipping the mind as a Christian is understanding the form of the spirit of the world so that we can resist it not be an accommodating accomplice to it, but be a Christian challenge to it. Schaefer quoted James 1.27. For context, let me read James 1.19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, let's not stop there. Let's not stop right there. James goes on in chapter 2, after talking about not showing partiality toward the rich over and against the poor, to ask rhetorically, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? See, this is what we're talking about. Are you an accommodating accomplice or a Christian challenge? 
Do you go along with the ways of the world? Or are you trying your hardest to model your life after what Scripture says? After Paul, Peter, the apostles, who say, imitate me as I am trying to imitate Christ. Maybe not even using that language as trying. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a whole other show. But as a Christian, this is the desire of your heart. Not to accommodate the world, but to challenge it. To bring Christ into the world. What's James say? Keep oneself unstained from the world. Later, James says, in uh, chapter 3, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. But if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs the ship. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell, staining. We are to be unstained. It's only Christ, the perfect one, the one who can control his tongue and the rest of his body that saves us. It's only Christ, not you, not me. We can't do any of that, but we can live as Christians, and we are to repent of our sin. This is not license to keep on sinning. No, we do not want to sin. It makes me sick when I sin. I sin every day, every minute of the day, and it makes me sick. I hate it. I don't willingly go into it. In James 4, the apostle writes, What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Are you an accommodating accomplice, a friend of the world, or are you a Christian challenge to that way of the world? Is God your enemy or is God your ally? Where do you stand? St. Paul says it this way, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can find that in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And then Paul takes a deep dive into what the Christian life looks like. 
But before we read those words, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll revisit our question and pick up right where we're leaving off. You're listening to Cross the Fence. We'll be back in just a moment. Greetings, saints of our Lord. This is Pastor Brady Finner. I am humbled to be the new host of Thy Strong Word every weekday from 11 to noon. We will receive the gift of God's Word and Paul's epistles for our new series. We will travel with Paul from city to city, from letter to letter, as he encourages, exhorts, proclaims, and points us to Christ and Him crucified for your forgiveness. Join us, live or on demand, because God has gifts to give for you. thinking over the break i was thinking we'll hold off romans 12 into the third segment i think we'll wait to get to that we got some other stuff to talk about as we ask this question as we try to find an answer for this question for you personally you who are listening to this or if you're watching it on the youtube feed you who are watching this are you an accommodating accomplice to the ways of the world to your old adam the sinner within you to Satan, your enemy, are you accommodating him? Are you an accomplice in the wickedness? Or, or are you a Christian challenger to it? Are you an obstacle in its way? Are you resisting and repenting of such wickedness? Turning from it and turning toward Christ, toward your God, aiming to live how he would have you live. That's the question. Are you an accommodating accomplice or are you a Christian challenge? Now, I asked that at the very beginning of the show, but there's a lot of different ways we can talk about this and ask this. And I'm going to go through a few of them now, maybe put a little bit of flesh on that skeleton, help you think about it. And I hope you're thinking about this for yourself, your own actions. Even if no one around you even knows that you were an accommodating accomplice, on the outside, you look like that Christian challenge, but inside, internally, you are accommodating that sin within you. You are saying, yes, Satan, live in me. You are harboring hate. That's murder. And only you and God know what's going on. And so only you can reflect right now as we're talking about this and ask yourself and answer for yourself whether you are an accommodating accomplice or a Christian challenge. Use your imagination. We've talked a lot about imagination on this show. Pastor Sam Schulteis is not with us today to talk about that. But use what we know about that member of our being. Think it through. Reflect upon it. Conjure up in your mind your activity, internal and external activity, that which is hidden and that which is known, and answer for yourself the question. Do you accommodate wickedness and do violence to the Lord's church, even yourself, who are a member of it? Or, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally ask it this way or ask you if, you're like a prostitute? Or are you like Rahab, who hid Joshua's spies from the threatening king, from the world that threatened God's people, proving to be an obstacle in the world's way? Rahab was a challenger to the ways of the world. 
She hid Joshua's spies. When the king comes to your door, do you turn over the spies? Do you accommodate the world and its power? When the world comes to your door, will it find an accommodating accomplice or will it find someone who, like Lot in Sodom, steps up to the challenge, steps up and becomes a challenge, challenges the wickedness that sought to abuse the servants of the Lord? Who are you in that moment? Do you fight darkness with more darkness? <laughs> Makes no sense. Or do you fight the darkness with a light? It's the light that drives away darkness. Do you turn on that mag light and shine that beam into the corner and drive away the darkness so that what is happening can be seen? Or do you want to let the darkness live? An accommodating accomplice contributes to the flames burning down the world while the Christian challenger douses those flames with Christ's baptismal waters of grace. An accommodating accomplice participates in the ugliness of sin. The Christian challenger refutes it with beauty. The accommodating accomplice perpetuates the sinful image of man, seizing power, operating according to the world's ways. Romulus rising over Remus, Cain killing Abel, the Christian challenges that axiom cruciform in his disposition, longing to display the image of God for the world to see, Christ crucified. The accommodating accomplice rotates on the axis of power, might. The strong survive the right of might. The Christian challenges this paradigm, turning around on the axis of love, being love in the world, a little Christ in the world, not strong by the world's standards, but weak. Are you an accommodating accomplice or a Christian challenge in this world? Are you letting your old Adam have his way, do what he wants? Or are you putting your boot on his throat so that he cannot breathe, but the new man can live, drowning him in the baptismal waters from which you emerged? Do you spin on the axis of power or on the axis of love? That's the topic for today's show. Imagine a world without love where everyone operates according to power. It's not that hard to do, is it? Well, Scripture shapes our imaginations to see what the world looks like when love enters into it. It's a world where sacrifice wins the day, where blood is shed, but not in, in the pursuit of strength or dominance, not, not to exercise one's will over another, not to build kingdoms in our own image, not for our own renown, our own reputation, 
not for our own legacy or our own ego. No. It's where blood is shed out of love. Love for neighbor. Willingly dying so others might live. Giving of oneself. Not for friends and family only, but even for your enemy. For those who seek to hurt you, submitting to their will, letting them have their way, succumbing even to violence in order to undo it, in order to defuse it, in order to save the wicked who are intoxicated by it. That's what it looks like when love enters the world. I'm talking about Jesus. That's what the Bible is all about. Love entering this world. Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. Look at this world around us. Does it seem like a place where forgiveness abounds? Or is it a place of power and might? An ugly, dark place. The axis of love, that's Christ. And let me tell you, I'm getting that language from Brian Zahn's book, Beauty Will Save the World. And no, that's not the first time you've heard a title like that. That is taken from another book. But that language comes from Brian Zahn's book. It's worth the read. But as always, make sure, make sure you read everything with your theological glasses on. Making sure you understand the author's presuppositions before you get into it. Your minds are equipped for a reason. Do not be sold back into slavery and do not wander into vain myths. You can read differing views. You can read people who have different takes on things and you can mine out of those books great treasure. But don't mine out of it fool's gold. Keep your glasses on. You'll need to sort through some of the author's presuppositions in this book, but this is the language he uses to distinguish between the spirit of the world in the form it is today and Christ. Christ works by love, and his works undo the works of power that the world uses. But see, we don't even need Zahn's book to understand that concept. We don't have to use that language. And what does Jesus say while he's on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers, the powerful, scoffed at him, saying, If he saved others, let him save himself, if, if he is indeed the Christ of God his chosen one, Luke 23, 34, and 35. But see, Jesus doesn't serve himself, does he? No. The rulers scoff at that. They scoff at this idea that the chosen one, the Christ, the Messiah, the all-powerful, wouldn't even pull himself down from the cross. Because, see, they're, they're of the world. They're operating according to the axis of power, as Zahn put it, puts it. If you have power, 
Well, obviously, you're going to use that power for yourself, to serve yourself, to benefit moi. No. Not when it's love that drives you. When love drives you, you serve others. You do what's best for others. If Jesus would have pulled himself down off the cross, if he would have used his almighty power to save himself, he would have forsaken all of us. And this world would actually be a place of darkness. But as it is now, the candles flicker with light. There is hope and there is faith. We are able to trust in what is good and right, and we are able to see what is beautiful. He didn't use his power to serve himself. By serving others, sacrificing himself for his neighbor, submitting to others, even the injustice and sin that they would inflict upon him, by loving them, he took away their wayward power. He diffused their power. He dearmed them. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? By succumbing to death, by giving himself to death so that Satan and death and the world could have its way with him, Jesus undid their power because of love. And this is what we can do. This is what we are called to do. Though we will do it imperfectly. When we sin, we repent and believe that we have an advocate with the Father. We have one who lived perfectly. Because love covers a multitude of sins. As we aim to live in this world that is wicked and thirsting for power, that is causing so much harm, and doing so much damage, we, we live a different way. We are not an accommodating accomplice to this agitation, this hurt that is inflicted upon the world. We are the Christian challenge to it. We are love in the midst of hate and murder, anger, stealing, lust, disobeying father and mother, idolatry, covetousness. We are love in the midst of turmoil. We dearm the turmoil. You become a Christian challenge instead of an accommodating accomplice when you submit to those around you, sacrificially serving others rather than self. Now, we already read it in James 4, verses 1 through 4, but let's read it again. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The old Adam within you is operating according to the axis of power, to use that language. The new man within you, who you are, operates according to the axis of love. And so there is a war within you. You desire and do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask 
and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask to try to trick God and get that thing that you want so you can use it for your own wicked ways. Instead of in service to your neighbor, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. An enemy of God. Hmm. Interesting thought that I think we all would do well to, to dwell on just a little bit more. How is it that we can have God on our side, be allies with God, be Christians, and yet do all the things that we do participating, accommodating, being complicit in the sins of the world, actively letting our tongue get away from us and saying these ugly things, letting our, our hands and feet get away from us and doing these ugly things. And yet we say, ah, oh, but I'm a Christian. Do not make yourself an enemy of God, my friends. He has spared you from the darkness. He has pulled you from the fire. Do not turn your backs on him professing to be a Christian, but then confessing with your deeds the truth of your heart. Profess boldly as you confess rightly. Know where that battle is. What we're seeing in the world is heinous and horrible. It is darkness. Be the church. Be the Christian. Rely on Christ. Rely on Christ to save you from yourself. He has. He does. He will. Let's go to another break. We'll be back in just a minute for our third segment, and we'll, we'll take that deep dive into Romans 12 that we are talking about before the first break. And uh, we'll continue to talk about the accommodating accomplice or the Christian challenge. Who are you? This is Cross Defense. We'll be right back. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. And we are back. Oh, that means we're on the last segment of the hour goes by so quickly when we're hanging out and having a good time. And you know, huh, I miss you guys in between shows. It's a whole week before we'll actually get to hang out again. Mm. 
Bad stuff. Don't like it. Well, as I said before the break, we are going to take a deep dive into Romans 12. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's not that long. And we're going to hear about what Paul's saying about the transformation of your mind, uh, the renewal of your mind, and not being conformed to the world, but transformed. But before we do that, I want to continue a little bit of what we were saying before as we were rereading James 4, 1 to 4. Uh, it dawned on me that we should probably also read 1 Corinthians 1, as this text also has a lot to say about this idea, this topic, this question that I'm asking over and over again. Are you an accommodating accomplice to the devil, to your old Adam, to the world, or are you a Christian challenge to it? Christian challenger, an obstacle in the ways of wickedness, one who is of the light, not calling the Father a liar, but recognizing that we are sinners and that sin abounds in this world. It is everywhere we look and that uh, we don't want to uh, be complicit in it. We don't want to accommodate it. We want to stand in its way like Rahab and Lot. We want to stand in its way like Paul, Peter, like all the saints of old who were willing to die, willing to lose their heads, willing to lose their reputations, willing to be martyred, persecuted. All this happened. All, all human history is filled with the faithful, the righteous, not, not on their own account, because God showed grace on them. And because God showed grace on them, they're willing to die. They're willing to stand in the way of wickedness, even if it means losing their own heads. That's the man you want to be. That's the woman you want to be. That's the kid you want to be. That's the elderly, aging person in the retirement home that you want to be. An obstacle in the way of the world. Standing in the way. A speed bump. When I was a kid, we used to, uh, I grew up, early part of my childhood was living in a trailer court and we had these two speed bumps and we would race between them. They were kind of the, the ends of the race. And sometimes we wanted the race to last longer. You'd have to actually go across the speed bump and then turn around and come back. And so then you end up making these speed bumps into jumps. But why are those speed bumps there in the first place? Not so kids can jump their BMX bikes over them. That's fun. That's great. Yes. Uh, but the actual reason the speed bump is there is to slow traffic down so that traffic wouldn't hit us kids playing in the street eh, or anybody crossing it, right? It's a speed bump. It stands in the way of wickedness. It would be awful if a car was barreling down the road and smacked into one of these kids riding his bike, not paying attention, being a kid. It would be, it would be horrible. Be that speed bump. Stand in the way of the, the world's car barreling down the road aiming at the helpless child on his bike. Be that person, right? Be the Christian who says, no, I'm not going to accommodate you, old Adam. I'm not going to be an accomplice in your, your wayward plot to do this thing or that thing. No, murder, I'm not going to commit you. No, I'm not going to harbor hate. No, I'm not going to lust. No, I'm not going to entice the old Adam within me to rise up. I'm not going to give a safe haven sanctuary to the lust in my heart, to the, the theft, to the disobedience to father and mother and all the authorities that extend from that. No, I'm not going to have a false idol, not even money, not even my own passions. No, I'm not going to have myself be who I live for as my, my God being me. No, 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be an accommodating accomplice. I'm going to be a Christian challenge, which is to say I'm going to let Christ be the challenge. I'm going to trust Christ. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe that he has everything under control, and his way is far better than our ways. That God knows what he's doing, and that the will of God that has been revealed for us in Scripture, that it is good, and that it will save the world. Jesus has saved the world. So how about that 1 Corinthians 1? I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God, through wisdom it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God's power is love, dear listener. God is love. The accommodating accomplice operates the world's way. He wants to be strong and ambitious. He wants to be smart or beautiful. All these sorts of things. Rich. The Christian challenger, however, is weak in the eyes of the world. Poor. Ugly in the eyes of the world. Beautiful to God. Not ambitious, not proud, but humble. Not greedy for self-gain, but charitable toward others. Charitable. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, Paul says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You know how the Spirit is demonstrated? The Spirit is demonstrated by being weak, so weak that the, the government can take you and hang you on a cross. There, the Spirit of God is made manifest. There, the power and glory of God are revealed in the humility and in the death of our Savior. You call yourself a Christian, my friends. If that is the title that you confess, then you are a little Christ. You are to be cruciform in your shape. You are to sacrifice for others. You are to let them have their way. Just as Christ let the world have its way with him. It is tempting to not. It is oh so tempting to want to rise up and fight. But our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities. Our fight has already been won. There is nothing left to fight for. All we do is live in the reality that has been established. The battlefield, if there is a battlefield, it is within ourselves as we resist the spirit of the world in all of its ugliness, in all of its riotous ways, all of the violence we see in the world. I saw a headline last week that said, in wake of capital riots, feds warned that violent extremists likely pose greatest domestic terrorism threats. Bulletin describes how events of January 6th will very likely serve as an enduring driver for violence. Now, I know some of you are not in the United States. You're listening from different parts of the world. Thank you for listening. But I live in the United States of America. And if this headline is true, if the greatest threat of terrorism facing my country right now in 2021 is homegrown, Americans, well, then I know that my land is not filled with as many Christians as I had hoped, as, with as many Christians as the, the surveys say. It may be filled with professing Christians, those who uh, claim the name of Christ, the name of some sort of Christian denomination on a survey or something, or even tell their friends they believe in Jesus. 
but it is not filled with confessing Christians. Those who believe and truly are repentant and are trying day in and day out to model their life as Scripture would have them live. Last year was full of violence, and it was full of the world being the world. 2020, all the riots, all the ugliness we saw on the streets of this, this world, all the, all the power that we saw coming down upon people who were just trying to live. The lockdowns and things like this. Wickedness was having its way. Given last year and now this year, in everything that's going on, the axis of power is quite identifiable. Everywhere evident. The question is, dear Christian, dear listener, will you be an accommodating accomplice to the ways of the world? Or will you be a Christian challenge to it? This is the question that the Pharisees, that Pontius Pilate, that many people asked of Jesus. They didn't use this language exactly, but this is the question. Are you a king? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this earth. Right? God's kingdom is not one to be feared in terms of power. The rulers of the world wanted to know if their power was being threatened by Jesus. Well, of course it is. Ultimately, he is the king of kings. He reigns. He rules. He will have his way. But he is a gracious king, a merciful God. Okay, now finally we're going to get to Romans 12, as I've been kind of teasing. I didn't mean to do that. We are, I was going to read this to you in segment one, but the way the show has worked itself out, uh, we just kind of kept pushing it back, pushing it back, but this is good stuff. It's a good place to end as we, we search for that comfort of the cross, as we want to be reminded that Christ is our, our king who reigns with mercy and forgiveness, grace, who reigns not according to power, but according to love, and how we can be a challenge to the ways of the world by not being conformed to the world, but being renewed by the Spirit, renewed in our mind, in our heart, in our being, and uh, how we do that. So let's take a look real quick. This is Romans 12 as we wrap up the show, this last segment. And let's just read the whole segment. Now, I'll tell you, before we start reading, let me just back up a little second. I'll tell you, there's a, two bookends going on here. That verse that we started off with, not being conformed, but being transformed. That's the first bookend. The other bookend is the very end of the chapter. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, it's important to note that Paul starts there and ends there, and that, that's shaping what's going on in between, because it's, it's how. What's coming on in between is how we overcome evil, not with evil, but with good. And it's how we make sure we're not being conformed to the world, but we're being transformed and our minds are being renewed. So we'll start there with that verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you outdo your neighbor in showing them honor? Set that as a New Year's resolution, would you? Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, to the church, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a great place to end the show. This is the Christian life, and it is a life lived under the cross. Christ is the one who ultimately does all these things perfectly. We don't love our enemy as we should, and we, we, we do persecute those who hate us, and we do curse them and not bless them, and we do all of that wrong throughout our lives, throughout our days. Christ didn't, and because he didn't, and because he sent his spirit to live within you, you now have a heart that wants to do these things, that wants to live this way. And in this world that we're living in now, it is clearly evident this is what the world needs. Those who will not overcome evil with evil, who will not be an accommodating accomplice to the ways of the world, but will challenge it with good. There will be a Christian challenge to these ways, presenting love as an alternative. Christ as the alternative. It's been great hanging out with you this last hour. I am the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. You've been listening to Cross Defense. If you want to get a hold of me before next week, DM me at Tyrell Bramwell over on Instagram or Facebook or send me an email using the contact page at tyrellbramwell.com. Check out all the other great programming here on KFUO Radio. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. 
Find past episodes and support cross-defense at kfuo.org.